It is your man, Dr. Lewis, not the third. Your wife's favorite podcaster. Haha, <laughs> Daniel's not here to stop me. Two things to clean up before you start this wonderful episode of a midweek take. Keep in mind as you're listening to the show that we did not know about the Milwaukee Bucks uh, two trades, nor did we know about the Chris Paul trade at the time. So uh, those trades had not happened yet. So obviously, as we are not fortune tellers, we were not able to peer into the future and discern that those two trades were, were going to go down and talk about them. So keep that in mind as you're listening throughout the episode. Another thing is we need to clean something up from last week. I mistakenly said that neither uh, Georgia senatorial candidate uh, on the Democrat side won their original race. Both of those are now in runoffs. Uh, that is incorrect. John Ossoff lost his race, although his opponent did not reach the uh, 50% vote share needed to uh, officially win the race, and so thus it went into a runoff. But Reverend Raphael Warnock uh, received 39% of his uh, the vote share in his original race, which in that particular instance was enough uh, to be the leader. Unfortunately, again, you need 50% to win. And he did not reach that mark. So uh, just have to go over that correction for you all. With that in mind, get ready. It's time for a midweek's take. Your favorite. Welcome. Your favorite. Your wife's favorite podcast. Thanks. Thanks for coming. I forgot by. to say last podcast. So I'm, I'm your not. wife's favorite podcast. That was also. You feel that often? You feel that often? You keep saying it for the past episode. Hey, what's funny about it was that for the Jeopardy intro, what I was actually supposed to say, what I had planned out to say, <laughs> was the dude who says he's not, who's he's not cute, and also causes married men, and also, uh, also, uh, uh, riles up married men every week. That was what I was going to say, and I forgot to say that. So it was actually going to be in last episode, and I messed it up. I messed up the line. I messed mm. up the bit. Anything for the bit, Daniel. Oh, I messed it up. Anyway. Commit to the bit, fool. <laughs> Anything for the bit except preparation. How dare you? Neither of those two I shall do. That was not a lack of preparation, Austin. That was called choking. There's a lot of difference. Oh, yes. <laughs> so the, the execution branch execution. of government. Yeah, the execution was yeah. there. It, anyway, it is. It's I, D.R. Lewis. The third, everybody. We're back again during the week. Yeah, he's still on a pause. Terrell, yes. Terrell, Terrell is still gone, so he still reigns supreme. Yes. I, I am an undecided voter still, so. Oh, what is left to decide, Austin? I, I have to the know. third. I mean, he's bringing up some valid points. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, indeed. <laughs> this jumbled up mess is a midweek's take. <laughs> and as indeed. you know, this is a uh, different style of show. We uh, don't break down one topic. This is, as I like to call, hot take theater. And I've brought my friends back again. Uh, to to experience hot take theater with me, Daniel Davidson is here. What well, up, we, man? Well, we brought you with us. It could yeah. be. It could be. It could be. <laughs> say like hi to, either way, say hi to the people, man. What's up, people? By the way, the Spurs, New Jersey is fly. It's fire, fire, baby. Got that fire flame. Yeah, the, uh, the other person yelling fire with Daniel is Austin Brazina. He's here back from his week vacation. Yeah. And as you I'm might have been soon, <laughs> we, I'm, I'm going another vacation. <laughs> Y'all can't hold me down. Yeah, I, I, I'm, going, I, I, I'm up, up and away, going up and away. 
uh, as you might have noticed by the fact that Daniel went on a post, Terrell Huff is still not back here, uh, still off doing doing other business that he has to attend to. Uh, we we missed Mr. Poppy, but you know we'll have to go it alone again. Uh, so you know what that means, man. What what does that mean, Daniel? Another big bring episode, baby. Oh. Big bring. <laughs> Without episode. context, that this was a, massive shade. This episode, <laughs> it, it is very. <laughs> yeah. He watched our prior episode. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, if you're about. just if you're just skipping episodes, you can't be. You can't expect to know the bit if you're missing episodes. You gotta you gotta yeah, stick with us. Follow along with us. Go on yeah, the journey yeah. with us. Yeah, you gotta go on that journey. Uh, but as, as you know, this, this show, we, we, we can break it down a couple of ways. Sometimes we have specials, like uh, when we had our special for Chadwick Boseman passing away, or our post-election special. Uh, sometimes we have mailbags. Uh, those, are, those are our Ear to the Street segment, which is curated by one Daniel Davidson. And then sometimes sure. we just get on here and we turn the mics on and we just go. <laughs> and that's what's happening <laughs> today. We are talking about the uh, as the NFBA draft uh, comes up to us on Wednesday. We're going to talk about a, a few trades that have been rumored and what we think about them. And for that segment, I'm going to throw it to Daniel Davidson. <laughs> and with that, let me drop it's, this bomb. It's crazy out here, yo. People wheeling and dealing. A lot of stuff going down the streets. Keep your eyes open. Keep your Damn. ears. Damn. Uh, is there civil up unrest going on in the NBA? <laughs> <laughs> there could be. In all the world, there could be. <laughs> I'd be for real, yeah. It all started with so Russ. It, has it done? I don't know. That was that was my so first. Well, okay, well, one thing I want to mention before we even get into it is it's kind of strange the setup is right now because of course the the draft is coming up on Wednesday, like Derek had said. Um, so a lot of times what you'll see during the draft will be you know trades of players, picks, and such just to move around the draft and so so forth and so on. But what's kind of strange though is the opt in out opt out date is on the nineteenth, so directly after the draft. So some of these players that they actually might want to trade, you don't really know, you know, what they're going to do to the next day. So say for an example, DeMar DeRozan is like, oh, okay, well, the first trade him to, to um, say the Lakers or whatever. For some reason, he's like, no, I hate the Lakers, so I'm going to opt out and go somewhere else. It's like, what the hell? So it's kind of strange. I guess you kind of have to either have like them in on the trade or something, or have them hopefully make a decision beforehand. So it's a unique deal just because you know the whole COVID stuff is kind of thrown the schedule out of whack. But one thing to keep in mind is that one. A lot of these players, or some of these players, have the option after the draft, so it might change people's decision making. And then two, they, um, in terms of the cap, it's going to stay the same, I think, for the next three to four years. So you won't probably have those deals to where you know we'll sign them to a, like a large deal now or make this trade right now, and it'll look better down the road because the cap will go up. It's like, well, the cap's going to be the same. So you kind of have to make a decision based off of. You mean okay, I won't? Well, I won't be signing Wesley Johnson to. 64 million dollars with the hopes that in year five the contract will look good unfortunately not because <laughs> you know at least for the next three to four years it'll be the exact same so it's gonna look bad the entire way through until maybe that one that, that last year and like look, see it makes sense now the cap so you, up again so what you mean dale is like the contracts normally look because they never actually age correctly they always yeah, look bad yeah What's your secret, Look, man, Hulk? Tough, I'm always it's a bad to be a contract. GM, yo. <laughs> it's always been, they're all bad contracts. I'm always a bad contract. Uh, so sorry to interrupt you, Dan. I just had to get my Wesley, my 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 cap jokes in because the NBA. Is oh so no, bad. it's all good. Um, I mean, it's been an interesting, I guess, last few weeks because actually, as a Spurs fan, because usually we're not used to being in a lot of these trade talks and draft talk or whatever. Um, but you know, since we didn't have that great of season, we have a pretty high draft pick, eleventh overall. And then because we're kind of having stuck between youth movements, slash trying to compete, 
now there's been rumblings about potential trades involving a lot of first players, you know, um, just to name off a few, we can kind of go into them as we go along. Um, one rumored one was Patty Mills going to um, the 76ers because they want to add, you know, shooting around Embiid and, and Ben Simmons. Um, you know, we have another one for LaMarcus Aldridge getting flipped to the Golden State Warriors for strangely the number two overall pick and also some type of cap filler. So that's kind of a strange one been going around right now. And then DeMar DeRozan has actually been in a couple. Uh, one was to the Lakers for Kyle Kuzma and then um, oh, sure, uh, Danny Green. Um, but that one probably is not going to go through anymore because there's been recent updates for the Lakers. But also there's another rumor going around that he actually might be traded to uh, to Arizona, to Atlanta, Atlanta Hawks, um, because I guess they want some more veteran scoring and they would send back a pick or some younger players as well. So for our Spurs fans, it's been interesting because of a lot of news and stuff going around, but you never really know what's going to happen um, because DeMar DeRozan is one of those players that actually has the opt out for after the draft. So I'm not sure that's going to hinder the Spurs at all or help them at all. So that's something to keep your eye on. Yeah. So you're saying that I can finally get my hands on Cam Reddish, Daniel. Is that what you're telling me? I could finally get my hands on one Cam Reddish? Potentially, yes. Uh, so the Spurs ones are interesting uh, because it basically feels like they're trying to jettison all their veterans now that they've kind of juiced them for the experience so that they could impart upon the young guys, uh, which is kind of what we always knew was going to happen. This was an unsustainable model of this whole trying to semi win now without the actual, you know, contending for a title part of it. Um, but LaMarcus is up there. Uh, DeMar's up there. So you need to get the value for them while they can. And then they want to probably go off and, you know, try to win, which is what some of these deals do. Now, if you send DeMar to the Hawks, I don't know that that is a scenario that he's upgrading in that situation. But, you know, who knows what he adds to that around Trey Young um, with their scoring ability and being in the East. Maybe they can come up, you know, them and John Collins. I'm sure I'm sure the Spurs would not get John Collins back in that deal. So that's a little triforce there for you. Um, I think the most interesting trade from my perspective, and I, I want to hear what you guys have to say, is the, the Warriors, just because – I, I'm not sure it makes sense, but at the same time, it makes sense. It's like one of those weird ones. I, I see why both sides want to do it. You know, for the Warriors' perspective, they can get LaMarcus Aldridge to help kind of guard Anthony Davis, and they can, you know, kind of infuse some of He still spaces the floor. Um, if they send Draymond back, they kind of get rid of that, although they lose defense there as well. So that's kind of, you know, a give and a take. The whole, whole thing about it, though, for me, is that's an awful lot of – if you're sending back either Draymond or, or Andrew Wiggins to make the deal work, and you're also giving up the number two pick. That's a lot of assets to give up for LaMarcus Aldridge in the 11th. So I, that's why I'm just like, I don't feel like the Warriors are getting the most bang for their buck there. Well, it doesn't actually have to be Draymond. I think they actually might include like uh, Andrew Wiggins instead, because he has a very large contract too. They might have to add, it. I guess, some more fellowship to make it work. And I'm sure they actually would get back by the, the number 11th pick um, to go to swap for that number two overall. And why they would do that is, you know, one, because maybe the market may help them on the court, but also just financial wise, because if you remember, they've been paying all of, you know, their top players, like top dollar every year that the contract was up. Um, but at some point it kind of comes to bite you because again, the cap isn't going to be going up for the next three to four years. They still have to kind of manage to have all those top players, Steph Clay, you know, Draymond as well, his big contract all under the same roof and try to build a good team around them. So the thinking might be, you know, if in the draft, because this is seen as a weak draft draft class in terms of star power. So if you kind of can pinpoint who you want and you kind of think they're going to be uh, further down anyways, 
And it's like, okay, well, why, you know, either spend the number two pick on someone that maybe not, might not fit into our, our offense or to our team and have to pay them all that money when we actually like other players further down and we can get them around the 11th, you know, selection there and we pay them less. So that's one avenue to where it kind of might help them because right now, of course, they have to, they have to be in win now mode because of how old their stars are. They can't really afford to hedge their bets and do both at the same time unless they find like a transcendent star that they can just input there and kind of go from there. But for right now, this draft isn't seen as, isn't seen as having that type of star power to where they can, you know, insert him there and then he can work with Steph, Clay, and Draymond. And then once they leave, he'll take over as the next superstar for that team. Uh, as of right now, we don't really have that type of player as, as most people think in this current draft class. No, yeah. And, and I think, like like you're saying, I think it's one of those that it depends on what the Warriors view of the draft. You know, if, if they think that there's value at the two pick, then obviously you, you value that higher. But if you truly don't think there's anything to take at the two pick and you're like, you know, we, we could easily get value at the 11 and, and we could get somebody right now who's proven, then then it's kind of, you know, from the Warriors standpoint, it's kind of a no brainer, right? Like, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge is a hell of a player. Well, whether or not you think he's a superstar, like, like on the level of some of the other people, that's kind of irrelevant. They think he would be a huge boon to their current roster and he probably would be. So I, I think from the Warriors standpoint, it does seem to be a good deal, but from the Spurs standpoint, it definitely is a deal that like, it's enticing. You know, it's not the Lakers. It's it's another team. It's a team that, that we have a pretty decent relationship with, it, at least in what we can tell. You know, it, it seems to be a fair trade overall. Like, it doesn't seem like either team is really trying to fleece the other team for too much value. Um, it, it seems like an option, especially because LaMarcus, from everything that we, we seem to know about LaMarcus, he's going to be leaving. You know, he, he he's made it pretty clear that he's he's came. He did what he wanted to do here not win a championship, but, you know, he came and did what he wanted to do here and he doesn't really have any issue in leaving. So why not get value for him now? I mean, that, that seems to be the smart play from the Spurs. And um, if they, oh, my, oh, I was going to say the Atlanta thing. I was just going to briefly touch on the Atlanta thing. I kind of like this idea of the Atlanta thing because it, there's been too many rumors about DeMar being unhappy in San Antonio. Like it, it really seems like that time's over now. It, it may not have even been a time ever, but it, it's for sure over now, it seems like. So that's another one where it's like, all right, you got to look to the future here. DeMar's not re-signing with us. So is there a situation where we could ship him to make him happy and and get something out of it that, that would be better than him just walking? And I, I think, I mean, it, it sucks because ultimately that means we're trading Kawhi for whatever Atlanta offers. But, you know, it, you, you got to cut your losses too. You, you can't just ride a, a, a dead a dead, uh, a, a dead ship, dead horse. You you you, you got to yeah. got to move on at some point, and I think at this point, you know, we have young talent. We have an optimistic kind of upswing, maybe not in wins, fuck finish line, but <laughs> 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 uh, but we have like an optimistic upswing. Like now's the time where you can at least sell to the fan base. Look, it's time. Like we we got to transition to the new future. Yeah, and in, in fairness to the Spurs, you're technically trading DeMar DeRozan for Jakob Pertl, Keldon Johnson, and then whatever they get back in the Atlanta yeah. trade. Yeah, uh, was a great surprise out of that trade, honestly, ultimately. And so, you know, I've been bellyaching about that trade for the longest, but, you know, it's not – it could technically not be done, seeing the uh, benefits of whatever that trade was, uh, as Austin pointed out. Daniel, you're kind of our draft guy just kind of by happenstance not that you are like you know 
Daniel Jeremiah or whatever, but uh, you know, <laughs> you, you do, a, you like the draft, you do a, a, a bit of research of it in, in your free time here. Would, who would the Spurs be looking at? Do you think if they did get up to two, um, do you have any idea on that? Yeah. Um, I think we talked about this before, I think off the pod, um, but they recently did a workout with, uh, I'm trying to pull up his name here. Uh, his first name is Denji. He's actually from Israel and he, I think is a six, eight, six, nine forward. Um, that's been doing pretty well. Um, they actually had to work out with him initially coming into this year. He was thought to be maybe a high lottery pick, maybe late lottery, but he's now kind of working himself up to where it's probably going to be like some of the top picks he's going to be taking in, taken in. Um, so that could be potentially something he's somebody they're, they're looking at because the other players that are up there, you know, um, LaMelo Ball, um, Anthony, not Anthony Bennett, um, Anthony Edwards up here. Anthony Edwards, uh, you know, they're all guards. And at this point, what this team has is a ton of guards. So you kind of want someone who can be a forward uh, between the three and four, uh, potentially, you know, hopefully shoot three ball, a bit of athleticism. So you really want bigger players out of this draft year, the Spurs, just based on the current rocker, roster makeup. And if they are going to make these trades to get rid of, you know, DeMar, LaMarcus, you're going to open up a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of time there for some players to take over. Um, based on what we currently have on our roster, you know, we do have some younger guys on there, but you probably want to add some more options in there in terms of, you know, playing the wing and especially for bigger players too, uh, because we don't have that much depth when it comes to big guys. Uh, but if we can maybe get someone who can play maybe like a three or four, that'll kind of help in quite a few situations and then kind of build out from there. Yes. So I can see why the Spurs will, will want it. Um, some people might say James Wiseman, but in this day and age, I'm not sure they would value him as much because they already have Jakob Portal. So I'm not yeah. sure they kind of wanted to be kind of redundant. Yeah, I noticed you know? they didn't. They haven't worked him out, even though they've worked out a couple of other top prospects. So it's interesting that they maybe it looks like they could be considering a move up to two, and they've, the workouts kind of show that. But they didn't work out Wiseman. Uh, Austin, you were going to say something before. Uh... Well, I was going to briefly touch on it. My my big concern has been for a long time now. Our both our interior defense and and just size in general. Like that's something that the Spurs have been lacking. And as much as I love Pirtle, I don't think there's a situation where Pirtle can play alongside another big man, unless that big man's like a, a, a stretch wing kind of player. Like I, I don't see Pirtle surviving with another big man out there. So we're in this weird position where it's like, all right, either we're all in on Pirtle and we're going to draft around the wing, or we want to kind of hedge our bets and we're going to draft a, a talent that would replace Pirtle as our, as our guy inside. And I think Pirtle's proven himself at least to be serviceable as a, you know, as a, as a playoff caliber player. Like I, I think Perto's more than proven that. So I think at this point, the wing is, is the natural solution, right? Like get, get some length on the wing, get some defense on the wing, somebody who can help out on the inside because our interior defense has been kind of not our strong point. So that's something that I would like to see the Spurs really focus on. And then on top of that, we got to replace shots. Like right now, all of the shooting is coming from top of the key. Like we, we need somebody who can hit that side, the three and also the long twos on the sides. We need somebody who's got that kind of shot because the markets, if the markets is gone, that's a huge piece of the offense is gone. Right. It, they did show that they were able to somewhat replace that offensive production uh, by going smaller. Um, I'm not sure how sustainable that is over an 82 game set, uh, but they were able to replace LaMarcus uh, Marcus's production during the bubble. Now that was a very small sample size. Um, that's a very specific set of circumstances because that also includes DeMar playing the four, which me and Daniel, I think we've talked about it on this very podcast. We're not exactly sure he can do that sustainably over an 82 game set. Um, he can definitely do it in spots because the league is going smaller, but 
who knows? The league actually could be going back bigger now that the Lakers have won the title, and that kind of dictates terms, as we kind of talked about. We talked about that before on the pod. Whoever is in the driver's seat kind of dictates where the league is going. Um, for a long time, the Warriors were in the driver's seat, and so we saw a lot of teams going small. But now they took a year off. Maybe they get back and reclaim their throne. Who knows? And maybe they do it with small ball. If they do, we could see another another power shift. But as of right now, the Lakers are the kind of the toast of the town, and they have a lot of bigs. So um, it'll be interesting to see that um, from a Spurs perspective. That means you might have to get bigger. Uh, and they they even with Yaka Pearl, they still don't have a dude who can patrol the interior and can kind of stretch the floor. And that's a kind of a rarity in the league in general. So it's not like that's everywhere. Um, but that's kind of what they're missing as well. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. your your immediate jump would be to like a. A, a quote unquote, like, can we find a Hassan Whiteside? I mean, no, probably, but I mean, that's like what you would hope for, like somebody who who provides that immediate value and just makes your your interior so much better. And I, I don't think that's an option. But also, I think as a thought experiment, I think what the Lakers proved isn't so much that big ball wins, even though that is definitely like a big lesson to be taken from that. Like, you can still win. Their big players though are hyper talented. So it's not really like, oh, they're playing the traditional style of play. Now they're just playing with some of the best players in the league. But I, I think what LeBron's proven, you know, time and time again, is that a, a real a real stretch player that that has the ability to move up and down, like to play to play up, to play down. Now obviously you're not going to find LeBron, but to have a wing player who's capable of of just taking over games, that's still kind of the X factor a lot of times in the NBA. Like you, you have your big guys, you have your shooters. That's kind of immutable. Like you, you have shots. The Warriors have proven that you can win with shots, but they also had a great defense. Like it's not just shots, but like, if you look at just the shooting teams, you look at Houston, you look at um, Atlanta, but not, not really, but like you look at these teams, which have an op- a reputation as poor defensive, but high offense, they just can't get it done. So you've got to have somebody who can play defense on the perimeter but still get you production in an offense. And I think that's where the teams need to be focusing, like especially the Spurs. We need to have a wing player that takes over. I also think that a lot of our offensive production increase was a natural product of, of just DJ not being there, of DeJounte Murray not playing. Like not, no knock on Murray, but I think that with him out of the offense, they had to, they had to push more of an offensive tempo because you lose that defensive, that, that more game control option because you don't have DJ on the perimeter locking people down. So I, I think just naturally the Spurs did the best with what we could, but it's not a repu- it's not a recipe for winning. Like I don't think there's any recipe for winning with the current iteration of the Spurs. I just don't think there is. I, I can't see a future for that. Right. And and with the Lakers, I think what they they would kind of disprove what has kind of been, I guess, a tenant for basketball since the basketball was created that size is king when it comes to playing basketball because the hoop is the same same height no matter what so the bigger you are the closer you are the easier for you to score so once they kind of figured out like okay we have the bigger guys but also they're athletic as well it kind of evens things out so now we have the advantage only on size and you saw what happened with that so if other teams want to copy that then yes they can try to but they have to have you know either a unicorn like Anthony Davis or also multiple athletic big men they can't just be a big person who can play defense that would be actually able to move their feet on the perimeter yeah. while still taking advantage inside as well. Because what we're seeing a lot in the NBA right now is a lot of these big guys either can't move in the perimeter or when they get into the interior, they don't have any type of, you know, post moves or wherewithal in, in the paint to either get the rebound, score down low. 
And that's why they kind of have to stay out on the perimeter the entire time. While a lot of Lakers big men, they were comfortable being on the perimeter for defense, but also making you pay on the interior. You know, Dwight Howard back in payday was a monster in the post. Um, so JaVale McGee, he's been fine in the post as well. So these guys can score consistently inside the paint and also athletic enough to at least give you problems out on perimeter. So that should be more of the framework for big guys as opposed to saying, I see someone that's really big or someone really athletic. They have to be able to hurt you in multiple ways as well. Um, so I know we've had a lot of Lakers talk as of so far. I mean, it makes sense. They are the champs, but the Lakers are currently not really resting on their laurels though. They actually are out here trying to do more moves. I think trying to, you know, I guess, take advantage of what they have currently set up. So they actually had a trade already go through. They kind of started off the whole, you know, trade craze already back to trading for Dennis Schroeder. I think for that, they had sent over, um, I believe it was a draft pick and also Danny Green as well to pick him up. So that's a pretty big pickup for them. Um, you know, I think they said Ray John probably wasn't, wasn't planning on resigning with the team, probably trying to find some more money out there. So, but Dennis Schroeder, I mean, he's a scorer. He's a pretty good facilitator as well. So that's a good move for them. Um, do you think they're kind of done with that or they probably look for maybe another star too, or that there were rumors about DeMar, but would that kind of kill this? Do you think? Yeah. Well, interesting. And interestingly enough, I think probably one of the main, not main, but uh, one of the factors in that trade was, was Danny green and he's in this deal. So I, I don't mm-hmm. know how much the Lakers have, if they're, if they are trying to go after DeMar, how much they have left to realistically offer the Spurs without eating into what they want to do. I mean, even if they don't want to eat into that, what they want to do, I don't know that the Lakers have a ton of assets that the Spurs want back. Uh, you know, they still have Kuzma. They still have whatever pick they have, whatever. So maybe the Spurs want to get even younger and, and, and try to trade for Kuzma in that pick. I, I don't really see that happening. Um, and, and as we pointed out, when the Lakers won the championship, they're very limited in the ways that they can build this roster because Anthony Davis is going to eat up so much cap because LeBron's going to eat up so much cap. Um, even someone like a... Uh, uh, who, who's the who's the, the clutch client who's uh, Caldwell Pope even he's eating up uh, a, yeah. a, a bit of cap that he maybe really shouldn't be but still is and so they they're they're yeah, gonna be the able to KCP, secure the bag yeah, no no hate but it, I mean the Lakers are, are gonna miss that money <laughs> so uh so they have only but so many avenues to improve the roster I, I think this is at least a lateral move. Um, I think you lose a little bit of defense with Dennis Schroeder, but you add a ton of shooting and playmaking that Rondo just isn't going to provide consistently. Now he, Rondo got a little hot in the playoffs, but as a consistent player, Rondo is not going to shoot or score in a way that, uh, that Dennis Sh- Schroeder is going to do. Um, so it's a good move for the Lakers. Definitely. Um, they need assets now. So, you know, trading a pick and, and Danny green to get an asset now, um, is is what they absolutely need to be doing to keep this team trending towards uh, title contention, and then of course Oklahoma City gets another pick. They've been they just have a war chest of picks, and they just get yet yet one more. Uh, so good deal by both sides, and kind of the only way the Lakers can can really improve their team is by doing moves like this. Oh, just for the sake of it, do y'all buy into this thing about the Spurs are like never Lakers? Because I, I kind of do now, I'll be honest. Like, we keep hearing too many rumors about it where it's like, I, I think it might be an actual thing where the, the Spurs, for whatever reason, they've got it in their head that you cannot trade with the enemy and the Lakers are the enemy. So when the whole Kawhi thing went down, um, and no one knows what's for sure what happened. But yeah. I think actually that if that trade was on the on the table and they turned it down, then yes, I think they are like never Lakers, never help them out, never give them anything yeah. because there's a lot of bad blood there throughout the year. So I can see that actually being a thing because um, both of these trades that pop- popped up, you know, with the Y one and now with the DeMar DeRozan one, 
even though they're only rumors, were actually pretty good trades too. And the fact that nothing came of them is like, okay, well, maybe they really want that serious on the Spurs side. Because I'm sure the Lakers would have loved to have Kawhi. They'll love to have DeMar. But for whatever reason, they, they actually couldn't get that to, to work. So, yeah. And to settle I, for, you know, just, Dennis Schroeder just, versus DeMar, that's kind of like, a, well, I have to take this because this isn't available type of thing, I would think. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. I, I, I mean, we'll never really know, I guess, because they're, they're tight lipped as hell about it. But it really, it's yeah. starting to seem like the Spurs are just like, nah, not never happening. But I mean, <laughs> and what's interesting is that they have Kyle Kuzma, who we know the Spurs were targeting in the draft that yep. the Lakers actually uh, beat them to the punch. So yep. in theory, they have a big piece that the Spurs would want. And yet these trades are never able to get done. Uh, so you can, you can kind of see it. I mean, I'm sure, you know, I also heard to go along with that, that the Spurs felt like the Lakers were tampering with Kawhi. And so that also might be another kind of notch in this where they're like, hey, not only do we not like you because we've always been kind of rivals, even though it's been semi-respectful, but now you're tampering with one of our players. Yeah, you're never going to get (laughs) what you want from us (laughs) because that's foul. That's foul play. Um, And, you know, the Kawhi thing's a big deal to the Spurs, obviously. So if they feel like they had a hand in why Kawhi ultimately got disenchanted with the organization – that's a pretty big dagger that you're never probably going to recover from as long as these regimes are in place uh, for their respective yeah. organizations. Yeah. It's just, it's just interesting. Like this is all kind of come out again, but um, like just strictly That's through, good, like, like what you're saying about like, this is the only way for the Lakers to improve. Yeah. I mean, there, there's really no other options for them. They're not going to, you know, when you, when you succeed, you, you basically forfeit the draft, just, you know, fine. That's the, the cost of doing it. But you also, you have these tricky financial situations and then you have to worry like when everything's going well, you have to worry constantly about what, what you're doing is whether it's the right call or the bad call or whatever. Like if it, mm-hmm. if it was a, if it was a no brainer, like, all right, LeBron's retired. Cool. We got to figure this out now. Like it, it's a little more like set in stone, but in this situation, it's like, well, you know, we have a championship team. Logic tells us it's not going to win again. You know, logically, it's impossible to win with the exact same team. So we got to do something. But then you have mm-hmm. to justify everything. Like, all right, well, if we do this, what are we losing? It's 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 impossible. Like, it's it's just a really rough thing to do. So I, I I don't, you know, I'm sure they have a lot of sleepless nights right now. But ultimately, it's a good spot to be in. So fuck the Lakers. Yeah. If you're if you're if you're be, big, good to be king. Yeah, I was like, if your biggest concern is like, will we repeat or will we just make the finals? Like all right, <laughs> I guess. By the way, by the way, yeah. Daniel, uh, props on your segue, segueing skills there, sir. Segueing from one topic to the Lakers topic, very, very expeditiously. I, I commend you, sir. Eat nothing, rips, homie. You know what it is, rips. But no, so, since we're basically having like an NBA pod today, um, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on the mecca of basketball, which would be located in New York City, supposedly. Um, so there's been a lot of rumors, you know, for the Knicks that they, they've had a, a hard time as of late for the past, almost seems like forever. Um, so they, they didn't win out on the lottery. Um, they haven't been able to secure that big free agent signing. So, you know, the next best thing is trying to get someone via trade. There's been a few rumors for them. There's been a one Mr. Chris Paul. And most recently, there's been uh, also uh, Russell Westbrook as well. Um, so they seem really hell-bent on getting them a point guard, you know, into onto the Knicks. I guess because, you know, the love of having that hard-nosed point guard in New York City or something like that. But um, do you, you guys see something like that happening for them? Is it a good idea for them to actually be trying to trade for? Or, you know, both of those guys are either older or have monster contracts as well, like long-term contracts. So 
Is that a good move for them at all, basketball-wise, or even just for the organization, or what? As a man with no investment in the Knicks, yes, it's a wonderful deal. Get Russell, because I want Russell and KD in the same city just going to war every night. <laughs> like, that's what I want, man. <laughs> I want this to happen. Like, I don't, I don't give a damn about anything else. I just want the basketball storyline of Russell in New York. Like, that, that would be amazing. So, yeah, fuck it. I, yeah. I, I, is it a good idea? No. <laughs> Should is that mean that the Knicks absolutely are going to do it? Uh, yes. Also, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, taking all those contracts is ridiculous. But with Russell Westbrook, at least there's the added bonus of even a, a storyline I hadn't thought of, which is what Austin brought up. But also, you got Russell, Mr. Triple Double himself in the garden every night. That's a big deal. Um, Russell's not completely out of his prime yet so you can still milk maybe a couple of those kind of seasons out of him uh i i think that probably stunts rj barrett's growth so that's not necessarily the greatest thing ever but you know th- th- that roster is pretty that, void you know, now that you say that that's the most nick shit they could do yeah bringing him or chris paul is a nuclear option to their young young assets that they do have but, you know, that's few and far in between, so they probably don't really care that much about because that roster is pretty devoid of all talent at the current moment. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't think it's worth it to bring in Chris Paul at all, but a, a Russell Westbrook, at least the return on, you know, ticket sales, storylines, being relevant again, I think that actually is worth the, the deal. What's, a, what's Russell's current contract? Is it uh, – did he uh, – Lots and signed? lots of money, Austin. Lots yeah, and lots no, of money. Was, right? like, lots he has, like – Three years or four it's years, saying, left, three like years almost right? like forty million dollars each I, year. I guess what I was getting to is two years. Yeah, I was saying if, if we're looking at a two year situation, I think it's actually a pretty decent gamble because at the worst case, then you're only you're only giving up two years of growth for for one having Russell, but two, I, I, I still am a champion of Russell in terms of what he brings to a locker room. Like I think Russell absolutely brings a winning mentality to your locker room. He can't he can't do it on court, and I think he's proven that. But, I mean, he absolutely has proven that, like, if he's on your team, your team's going to be locked in, you know, for oh, better yeah. or worse. I, I don't think the stunting of the growth has anything to do with yeah. what, particularly Russell's personality or anything like that. Russell's, you know, yeah. a, a good player, a great player. He yeah. also has a, a hardworking mindset. I think he'll actually help them in that regard. I just think those reps that he eats up by having the ball oh, in his yeah. hands constantly, that's what's going to stunt their growth, and that's just how he plays basketball. Um, I'd rather see Russell go to a team – that he could, you know, kind of fit in as a contender, but I just don't think that that's what he wants. Well, with that contract, I don't think really any contender team could really take him on and without gutting their roster and kind of knock him out of contention. That's also, for, for having Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook on the team, not only I think would they stunt the growth of the young players, but also they probably would add on some additional win they wouldn't expect to have, which might then hurt their prospects for, for the draft going forward. If you remember, after this year, they're going to allow high school players back into the draft after this draft class. The super draft so, is coming. Yeah, the super draft is going to come. So the next one should be a super draft and pretty talented going forward for the next few years. So you have to kind of think about, you know, should I want to maximize my potential to have a higher draft pick in the next draft class instead of this one going forward? So and, it's not something you want to think about as an organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a normal franchise, I would say that that's okay. Like, even, even though I'm against tanking, in a normal franchise, I would say, you know what, if, if you have a plan, at least you got a plan, but I, 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 there is no guarantee that Knicks fans don't execute James Dolan before they get to this draft. <laughs> like, like I mean, it's been too long. Like you can't, you can't turn around like, like, all right, guys, I know that the last couple decades have been fraught with horrible decisions every turn of the way, but I've got a good one now. Like you can't do that. He can't sell them that. 
So you it's know what? It's been a long time <laughs> since we were relevant, my friend. Bring my Russell word. to the garden so we can oh, no. win again. Oh no! <laughs> oh, yeah. we can win, win again. <laughs> so like, I mean, what what do you what do you? I, I think the only solution for the Knicks is winning, and they're not going to win. How? Yeah, that's how? what I'm saying. How? <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Oh, like, Birdman, tell me so, how. So your question is: All right, do we do we trust the process? No. Do, we, do we develop we RJ Barrett? Anything. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, what? I, I don't know the right answer here. Like, the right answer to me is to not take. That to me, that's the right answer because you cannot establish this losing culture in these players for the next couple of years. And that's what you're doing if you if you commit to the tank. And 76ers haven't fully recovered from that. You know, as much as they got out of the process, they have this horrible stigma of just being losers. And it hasn't escaped yeah. them yet. Like, they, they just can't get over that hump. And, and they're in a good place, ultimately. But they have this weird problem that they created for themselves in the process. I don't think the Knicks can do that. Like, I don't I, think you can gamble everything that you have right now. And it's not much. But you have R.J. Barrett right now. You have a blank slate. They essentially have a blank slate right now. So what they do going forward is only improvement. And and I don't think you 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 do that by bringing in – definitely not Chris Paul, but I don't think you do that by bringing in Russell or, or bringing in somebody like a superstar like that. You need to bring in somebody who's on their way out to establish a winning culture in these young players that will breed into the next, like, three years from now, the, the, the crop of talent that they have. But I have no faith James Dolan can do any of that. I, I do wonder about the culture aspect of it. Not to say that obviously we know culture is important and culture exists and all that kind of stuff. But it's hard to it's hard to like is the culture bad was the culture bad in Philadelphia because they tanked for all those years and they built bad habits, which absolutely could be the case. Um, you build a lot of bad defensive habits, a lot of bad offensive habits when you're tanking and you can't don't have to really care about winning. Um, some would argue that Brent Brown didn't let them do that just by the style of coach that he is, but you know that doesn't make it true just because people think that or, or is, do they have a culture of losing because Brett Brown was their head coach. He's not a very good head coach. Like, <laughs> like it becomes one of those chicken or the eight type deals when you have those kind of situations, you know, there are some things well, that you can point. First coaching tree, Derek. Yeah. There's a lot of dudes who are from the first coaching tree. I don't understand. Don't work Why are they not the Spurs? You know, God bless Jacques Vaughn and what he did for the Nets when he took over, but he also had a stint in Orlando, which was pretty God awful as well. You know, there's a lot of bad first coaches out there as well. They can't all be winning. <laughs> hey, I think the secret. We are going three. We are killing. You're killing the Hey, hey, quiet, quiet as it's kept, the secret to winning might not be with the coaching tree. It might just be having Tim Duncan and Greg Popovich. I don't know. It could be that. Who, who knows? Nah. Maybe, maybe it's nah, not. Man. Maybe they're not all coaching geniuses. And then explain Budenholzer. Bro, give me, give me Jock Vaughn and Anthony Davis, bro. Same thing. <laughs> Same difference. Same. All right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Trade one kid one Anthony. You're good to go. <laughs> but like, I, so to, I would push back on that just a little bit though, Derek. Um, I, I think the one thing that, that, that people get swept up in and forget is that every single person in the NBA is capable of playing in the NBA. You know, I'm not going to be shitty and, and say like, no, this guy doesn't belong in the NBA. Every single one of these players has reached the NBA. Not everybody's LeBron. Not everybody's, you know, a superstar. But everybody has proven that they are NBA capable or they wouldn't have the job that they have. So the difference in a vacuum, 
if 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 every roster is full of NBA talented players, the difference is intangibles. Now that's that's a little you know that's a little arbitrary. Like the point I'm making is a little bit arbitrary. Like you know, obviously championship teams aren't winning because they just have optimistic spirits. You know, there's other factors involved in this. They're but very I, peppy people. Yeah, it's, it's not like they're out there like, hey, guys, we're going to win through friendship today. No, nah, like there's other things involved in this. But I do think that those intangibles are, are very underwritten, like in terms of dynasties and winning and championships. There is a reason that the Warriors became who the Warriors are. There is a reason that every team LeBron goes to, obviously, that's a crazy example is LeBron, but there's a reason that every team LeBron goes to is a a finals team. Like, not, not just a playoff team. It's a finals team. His skill set, his knowledge, and the way he teaches those players, it bleeds into that organization. I, I think that those things have to be taken into consideration when you're rebuilding a team. You can't just throw out a team of, of, of dudes like Brooklyn did five years ago where it's like, look at our team photos, like, who are any of these players? Like, you can't do that. You have to have at least some credibility to your organization that says, look, this is what we're about. You know, even Charlotte, as shitty as they were for so long, Charlotte had Kemba, and Charlotte had a reputation of at least being a, an NBA team. You know what I mean? Like, as bad as Charlotte's been. <laughs> the, the Knicks are an NBA team, Austin. Yeah, no, I know, I know. I, I know, see but... them on 2K all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, we, we yeah. can all agree that intangibles matter and intangibles. No, it's, I know, it's, but it's, I'm just saying, like, that's the just, difference so, between Charlotte and New York. Char- New York's well. a laughingstock. Charlotte is worse. Austin, Austin you got to pick someone else. Yeah, Charlotte you're, you're Charlotte. Right, you're you're right. torturing this Charlotte comparison, and Charlotte's a laughing stock as well. So I don't, right. I don't know what Fair we're enough. doing here. But y'all, y'all know what I, y'all know what I mean. But, but yeah, like, what but, but yeah. I, I, I get what you mean. I'm not trying to push back in terms yeah, of the yeah, Knicks yeah. should not care about culture because clearly that's not worked for them over the last two decades. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to advocate for them to keep going down their same track. I, I'm just saying. But who sure. needs it? <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying to what degree does tanking play a factor into the culture, especially when their culture is already trash anyway. So like maybe they tank a little bit and then, you know, and then, and then fix the culture. <laughs> maybe, they get, maybe they get some of that talent stuff before they go about fixing their culture because they don't have a lot of it right now. Yeah. But actually, um, you know, let's go ahead and stay in New York because, you know, there is another team there that actually is in the headlines recently. Bit of a juicy story. It's rumors going around that Brooklyn is in talks of potentially acquiring James Harden to go with uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, which kind of seems – outlandish and crazy and also like a you know nba 2k team um but we've seen crazier thing happen in the nba um not sure why or how they can get him from houston in terms of the assets they currently have what they would give up but it's a room that's been taken up uh james harden has said that he's actually you know into the idea of going to brooklyn if that's the case as well so do y'all think there's any actually credence to this um and if so at houston would you actually make this deal to to trade away your best players that you know, the one that kind of brought you back to being relevant for whatever Brooklyn can command to give to him? Well, if you're Houston, <laughs> like, they've clearly shown that they don't like good management. They filed Derek Morris. So, that, like, I don't know what Houston's up to these days, but it might be just starting completely over, which I don't know, probably is a bad idea, but <laughs> it looks like that's where they're headed. As far as what the – if you're going to trade James Harden, there's obviously no way you're getting equal value back. Oklahoma City's done, been there, done that, and failed. So, you know, it's kind of an impossible task. But I guess the closest you're going to get of the teams available to you probably is in Brooklyn with the Karis Levert 
package. Maybe you get a Spencer Dinwiddie in there. Uh, maybe you, uh, you know, you throw some picks in there that are probably going to be late round picks, but they're still first round picks. And, you know, some other assets, maybe Jared Allen gets thrown up in there as well. And then you have at least a basis of young talent to justify the trade. Mm. I don't necessarily understand this from a basketball perspective. Uh, James Harden is functioning at his best when he has the ball in his hands a bit, uh, quite a bit. Kyrie also functioned at his best when he has the ball in his hands quite a bit. Even KD kind of functioned his best when he has the ball <laughs> yeah. in his hands quite a bit. Now, of those yeah. three, at least KD, to my opinion, has the most ability to be effective off-ball and seems maybe to have a desire to transition into more of an off-ball player at, at this point of his career. But, you know, you never know with Kevin Durant. Tomorrow he could come out and be like, yeah, I want the ball in my hands all the time. And, and that wouldn't surprise me either. I, there's also some very volatile personalities. When James Harden's your most laid-back guy in the locker room, you know, that's of your stars, that's probably not a good idea. But, you know, I just think as I just kind of behoo, you know, kind of poo-pooed a little bit the idea of chemistry, I just don't see how this works from a chemistry standpoint, but I also don't, don't see how this works schematically from a basketball standpoint, you know, not to say that the talent yeah, isn't I, there I, to make it happen, but I just don't know if they will. Like they could all easily like, don't get me wrong. Before I let y'all get it back in here, they all have the skills to do what's necessary to be off ball players. They just, none of them besides KD seem to have the desire to do it. So that's why I'm not sure how this is going to work. Well, let, let me ask you this, D, to kind of help you with my line thing. I'll start my point with actually a question to you. Who's the current head coach for the for Brooklyn right now? Steve Nash. Steve Nash. Right. So could you kind of see where this would work in terms of having that seven seconds or less offense or that open flow offense? So it might be the same offense that he had, that James Harden had in Houston, just brought over now, just actually to Brooklyn. And in that sense, James Harden actually would be that point guard you're looking for. Remember before, we were like, who would actually be the Steve Nash in that offense? You know, Kyrie, isn't, that's not really his game. That's KD too much. But that is, to a T, James Harden's game. So actually, it, it may work pretty well in terms of them offensively. Um, defense is a whole other story. But I can see them gelling together in that sense because, you know, uh, Kyrie Irving's done well with another superstar. You know, he played off ball to LeBron James and, and did well in that role. Um, you know, KD played with, with Stephen Clay. Now, to that sense, he actually ended up changing their offense because he kind of slowed them down more, was more ISO when he was involved. So that's something to take into consideration. And they've already seen James Harden, how he, he, he managed to do, you know, pretty well with Russell Westbrook next to him. And Russell Westbrook is as ball dominant as it comes in terms of, you know, a point guard and a player too. So I think because they've been through so many different situations in their past that they can draw from that to actually work well together as a team. Um, but now, now I have a question you, for you before you go any further. Work. Yeah. How long do they play that style of basketball before Kyrie decides he's unhappy? <laughs> like over under 30 games before Kyrie decides he's no longer having fun <laughs> in this offense. I would say it would depend on the phases of the moon for this coming year. So if oh, you yes. tell me that, then I could tell you my over and under. But if I had to guess, and it, it, <laughs> it's nothing crazy. I would say over. I, I think that, you know, they would enjoy in terms of how talented the team is. So it would be going well for a little bit. Um, but I think after, I would say maybe after like a year or so, I think it probably would start breaking down and they kind of would want their own, well, Kyrie probably would want his own thing yet again, like he did before, because, you know, he kind of had everything in Cleveland in terms of, you know, the talent around him and such, but he still wanted his own, he got his own, lost that, got it again. And then now he has more people coming in and you always want to help, but 
I think for Kyrie though, for his personality, it seems that for some reason he just isn't fine with, you know, not being the guy. Um, even though he's, he's done very well when he's not the guy, but I guess in his mind, he just still needs to be the guy. So I can see that going off the rails, um, long-term, but I think in the short term, though, I think they would mesh, mesh pretty well together given the offense they're going to be in and also their personality types too for right now. I, and I agree with that, but I do think that when you reach that, that level that these players are at specific, that's why it's like so hard to process what they want and what they were going to do because, I mean, who ultimately knows? But we've seen at least a couple glimpses. We've seen that Kyrie seemed to have a little bit of contrition about um, basically – leaving LeBron like like Kyrie has at least publicly commented a couple times where he was kind of in the wrong on how he handled everything so it seems like he's matured in that sense he doesn't necessarily need to be the guy he values winning now but on the flip side of that Kyrie you know this is a kid who's in his prime and you're gonna ask him to take a back seat not a back seat but like you're gonna ask him to take a back seat and sit there and be like all right well I'm gonna put winning over everything like do you want to be a Bill Russell type I've won 12 championships it's not gonna happen or do you want to be like, look, I, I am the best. Like Kyrie Irving is one of the top 20 scorers of all time, blah, blah, blah. And, and that's something that he legitimately has to reconcile with himself. That's a unique problem that nobody can really answer, I guess. Like you, you don't know what he's about at his core. So who knows? I, like Daniel said, it's going to be fun for a while. But when does that honeymoon phase expire? You know, when does he yeah. start looking like, OK, well, we if, especially if you don't win the championship. Like, all right, I gave away, you know, just to be, I guess, conservative with it. I gave away hundreds of points this season for nothing. Like I gave away, I give away a legacy for nothing. Like, like what am I losing in this process? So I, I don't, I think it's a bad idea. Like I, I don't think, I think what happened in Miami is, is, is the once of a generation kind of thing where Dwayne Wade had already proven himself. He didn't care. Mm. LeBron is LeBron and Chris Bosh is, is the unsung here. Like there's so much that went right for them that you can't yeah. That. You just can't emulate it. Even Golden State, for all their success and how dominant that team was, they couldn't survive what what was happening behind the scenes. Like it took Draymond oh. Green to to basically cut cut KD down to size, which ended up making him leave apparently. But it took KD, it took Draymond being like, "Look, motherfucker, we're doing this," and you're gonna like that. It takes something strong. Like that's not gonna happen. I don't think. Not with Kyrie and James Harden. Like it's not gonna happen with them. I do. But we love super teams. Super team. <laughs> hey, TK's gonna love it. <laughs> I, I do feel a little bad for people like Kyrie Irving who are like very strong personalities put in, in very strong basketball personalities put in bodies that are not built for you to be that kind of a strong basketball personality. Uh, Kyrie, you know, I think Kyrie's always valued winning. It's just winning that he is at the head of is what he really wants, and I don't know that the NBA is suited for him to do that, to be the guy on a team that wins in the way that he wants to win. Um, so maybe he's come out of that kind of idea and is a little more happy with sacrificing a little more. Um, he sacrificed before, so I don't, I'm not trying to frame it as a kind of a selfish, not selfish type of thing, but more so that he has always wanted to win on his terms. If he thinks that these are his terms, then maybe he will be fine with it. If he starts thinking that these aren't his terms, then we've seen that he has no problem changing the terms. <laughs> so that's kind of the deal. Kitty has altered the deal. Yeah, yeah. Pray he doesn't alter it. <laughs> he doesn't alter it again. <laughs> and also, just to wrap up on this one for for Houston, I, I know I think their um, their owner was saying that I guess he, they want to move away from small ball. He wasn't really a believer in that. So maybe they see that getting rid of James Harding. 
uh, Jim Harden kind of symbolizes we're not doing that anymore by, you know, getting rid of the, getting rid of the king of small ball. And I'm like, okay, well, so maybe that could be a reason why they kind of are pretty interested in moving him for whatever pieces they can get. So I would think they try to get rid of Westbrook and then try to get another star around him or build around him because he is still a superstar, one of the top, you know, five players in the league. But uh, it doesn't seem like to – a lot of rumors are popping up about James Harden being on the move, which is pretty surprising to me based on how talented he is and the makeup of that team as well. Yeah, yeah. trading a, an MVP in its prime is, 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 is weird. It's very, very well, weird. The, the rumor I, is – I also – James before, Harden and Russell – I was going to say on James Harden. The rumor is they both said – that they are so disgusted with the way they play basketball. Like, I, you can't fix that. If that's what the problem uh, is, you can't fix that. If, if he's just literally to the point where he's like, look, you know, I'm, I'm superstar James Harden, and I'm just tired of this. Like, you can't, you can't make him do it. You just can't make him do yeah. it. But I want to get to the point in my life where I have conversation interrupting confidence like Austin Brazina. But you won't. <laughs> no, you're right, I won't. But <laughs> the quick, the you all quick, gotta have a dream, though. Yeah, you all gotta have a dream. You gotta have something that you keep working for. I just enjoy the idea of Tillman Fertitta, noted basketball purist. <laughs> I, 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 I just, it's like, I, it's like, who are you, bro? Like, I don't care what your thoughts about basketball are, man. I mean, you're the owner, so I'm sure people are getting paid to pretend they care about your thoughts. But it's just the idea that <laughs> Tillman Fertitta would come in and be like, I got this small ball stuff. Who, who, who is for the birds? I don't believe in it. It's like, all right, Tillman. Bring back the, t- the Twin Towers. <laughs> Bring back Hakeem. Yeah. Bring back all the bigs. <laughs> That's what I want. The good old days. It's like, bro. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I got one more for you guys so we can wrap up for for today, though. Um, not really a rumor per se, but I kind of want to touch on because a few teams we've been talking about have been, you know, potential teams to trying to build to be contenders. I want to touch on one team that we thought was a contender, but ended up being a pretender when things kind of unfolded. And that's actually the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, they're in a very interesting position right now because Giannis is on the last year of his contract. So, you know, you know, it would tell you that they had to do something to kind of keep them in tight to stay around. Cause we've seen so many superstars leave and go somewhere else that, you know, it's not all the positives for him to leave as well. Um, they've been linked to a few different things. There was a rumor that the Lakers were actually trying to get Eric Blesso before they ended up getting Dennis Schroeder. Um, they also been linked to Victor Oladipo and he has a actual funny rumor out there that during the bubble when he was playing, or I think during the regular season, he was telling players on other teams like, Hey, y'all come get me. I'll trade for me. That's been a rumor going around. He has since refuted that, but <laughs> they, people have been saying that he's been telling all the players, like, hey, y'all need to trade for me. Hey, so think that for what it might be. He's calling an old Thomas. Yeah, yo, come, come, yeah. come get your boy. <laughs> y'all come get me. So he's been saying, he's been saying that. Um, they also were linked to Chris Paul for a little bit as well uh, to bring in to help out Giannis. Uh, it kind of seemed that the higher-ups in, in Milwaukee weren't really keen on bringing them in for, for whatever reason. So, I just kind of want to see what y'all think their course of action should be for this year because it's kind of actually a little bit more important than usual because they have their star in his prime about to hit free agency. And we've seen so many people leave. Um, there's already been rumors about Golden State trying to get him in. You know, of course, every team's going to want to try to try to poach him. So kind of what moves should they make? Should they be entertaining the Oladipo, the Chris Pauls of the world, or should they maybe stand pat? Or what do y'all think? I, I think that this is – a nightmare situation for Milwaukee. Like, I think the way last season ended is, is the ultimate, like we probably lost everything. Like it's not good. And, and who knows really, but I think there's, there's, there's so many factors 
and ultimately it just comes down to like if, if i was to to have giannis's ear i would say dude just do what makes you happy because you can <laughs> overthink this to death like everything like that but there's two things that are true one he really doesn't owe milwaukee anything milwaukee didn't develop him I mean, he grew up, he grew as a basketball player there, but Milwaukee didn't do anything like special in terms of like, oh, we found Giannis, <laughs> like we 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 did this, like no, no man, like Giannis for the most part, like he he did his own shit, so he doesn't owe them anything, I don't think. And then two, even bigger than basketball, Milwaukee's been at a bunch of problems, like just as a place for people to be, and like if I'm Giannis and I'm looking like, man, I could be somewhere else. That that's oh man, and it hurts because that's literally what the Spurs deal with a lot of times. But like, it's the truth, man. Like that it like if if he if he's the ultimate prize, there's nothing keeping him in Milwaukee. And the fact that they're not winning is is the the icing on that. Like if if they were better, then it would be a much harder decision. Like all right, I'm gonna win a championship here. Now maybe Giannis is that kind of dude that just is like, look, I'm winning with Milwaukee. This is my team. I'm gonna prove that I can win before I do anything else. Like this is what I got. Maybe he's that dude, and that'd be the best case scenario for small market teams everywhere. <laughs> like, like maybe Giannis can can I, bring great things there. I, but, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's the best thing for small market teams everywhere. Well, I, don't, I mean, you know, more, more so though. because yeah. more so because it's like just because Giannis stays doesn't mean a small market team's going to be like, oh, Giannis stays. Like, well, that's fucking Giannis, all right? Giannis is different, <laughs> <laughs> and that, and that's kind of true because Giannis is different. He does seem like all things equal, he would want to stay with the team that drafted him. That seems like his kind of a, a yeah. deal. No, it does. But, at the same time, they do have to get him, I think, a lot closer to the title. And we saw that they were kind of far, not far, far, but farther than we thought, at least. And it'd be interesting to me if they were able to get Depot from the standpoint of it just like it's like, I guess we're just swapping out Malcolm Brogdon and Victor Depot over the two year span, which is a little interesting because that's that's actually an upgrade. Um, if Depot can stay healthy, um, what he brings defensively and offensively is, is definitely something that the the Bucks need because Chris Milton seems to always disappear when the chips are down. Maybe Depot can come in and, and spell that. So, you know, if they can get the talent in around Giannis, it's hard because building what's hard. What people don't, I think underestimate is building around these superstars with the available assets is very, very hard. We saw it with LeBron. There's a very specific way in which you have to build your team to make them the focal point of the team and be successful and be able to play defense and be able to win titles. If, if you can't get the superstars to your town. Um, And so like it's doable, but it's a very, very small margin of error. Even if you have the best dude on the planet, when there's other super teams rolling around for, and San Antonio is a case in point. People think they're like one of the best uh, run organizations and they are, but from the year 2000 to 2002, Tim Duncan versus Kobe and Shaq was no contest. So, you know, and that's because you have to build your team a very specific way around Tim Duncan. And that's a very hard team. That team is very to make and, that team. It's very hard to the game. Down. Yeah, and, yeah, <laughs> and to make that team able to beat Kobe and Shaq in their primes is very, very hard. And that's what all these superstars who are on their own, even the upper echelon ones have to think about and have to deal with. Um, and so, like, the, Milwaukee can definitely do it. It's so very, very hard to do it, though. And, and I do want to, just to get out of it, I, I want to clarify, like, when I say why, why I'm being so so down on, like, Milwaukee's chances for this is because ultimately the, the balance of power here is all in Giannis's favor. If Giannis stays in Milwaukee in just a, a, a vacuum, he's doing Milwaukee a favor. He may have other motivations. He may have other things to do. But there is 
there's almost no reason from a vacuum standpoint, if everything was equal, why he would want to stay in Milwaukee. So that's where things like loyalty and all that comes into play. That's where your KDs and your all, all of these things that, that matter bigger than sports, that's where these factors all come into play. Is he going to be happy in Milwaukee? And, and maybe he is very happy in Milwaukee right now. He seems happy. I mean, he hasn't said anything crazy or anything like that. But – at yeah. the end of the day, I mean, currently I, he's on a boat with his brother making jokes about how his brother's an NBA champion. So he does seem pretty happy for a dude yeah. who, who yeah. lost in the semifinals last year, <laughs> yeah. which I don't begrudge him being happy. Obviously, be yeah. happy, dog. But it, yeah. it was kind of funny how much he's just hyping up his brother having a ring. And stuff. Hey, man, he's ha- and, and you know what? You got to and that's why it's it's too it's so much of a nightmare. You can't overanalyze this stuff because he grew up with nothing. Maybe he's got this loyalty to the underdog. You know, maybe, maybe he's got this like. I'm just so happy to be in the NBA. I'm going to make my mark as an NBA star with Milwaukee. And great. I mean, that's that's probably what I would prefer out of him. I, w- I would love nothing more than to see Milwaukee win the championship with Giannis. But at the end of the day, like, I can't I can't begrudge him if he's like, look, this sucks. <laughs> like, I don't want to do this, man. I don't it's know. cold. Yeah. <laughs> I got to deal with Chris Middleton. Y'all ain't putting no pieces around yeah, me. Deal with <laughs> I'm out. And, and, that's, and that's really what it is, though. I, I think for sure Milwaukee has to make some type of move in terms of bringing in another star or switching out stars or something like that. Because, yes, uh, Giannis seems like he's a very low, low person. I think he'd probably be fine living in Milwaukee. But for a lot of these stars, you know, they still do want to ultimately end up being a champion or having a chance to be a champion. And I think when they kind of get upset and end up leaving, even though it's hard for them, it's because if it seems like the outlook of your team, the current makeup of it, isn't championship level even in the future, or the way you have to play the game is such so much of a struggle that it's no longer fun anymore for you to kind of day in and day out have to kind of struggle to score points, uh, do everything on defense, then that can kind of take a toll on somebody. Um, I mean, even Tim Duncan thought about leaving San Antonio at one point in time, so unless they can sell them on the vision they have for the future, um, be that either, you know, bringing in some young guy or getting another star to go along with them. It's going to be tough. I think for him to kind of look at the outlook of the landscape of the league and say, okay, yes, you know, I'll stay here for the long haul because eventually we're going to break through because he's looking around and you see all these other teams making moves, right? Um, you see Miami, you know, becoming a contender. It looks like Brooklyn might actually have like a super team going on. Um, so when stuff like that happens, you kind of say, okay, well, Based on our current makeup of the team, can we even match that? Like, do we have the assets, you know, for either our current players to grow into that role or to move some people around to bring in more stars? Um, but unfortunately, you know, Milwaukee thought they had kind of a sure thing contender and they locked everybody up except for Malcolm Brogdon. But it kind of seems like they've taken a step back or haven't taken a step they thought they would happen, but they're all locked in on long-term big contracts. So it's going to be very hard to get a, another star in there via free agency or via trade. So in that sense, you can kind of get the, the feeling that you're, you're kind of, you know, stuck. You know, you can't really do much for like the next three to four years, which is a long time for a professional athlete. Um, so in that sense, I can see them kind of starting to look around and thinking about greener pastures um, unless they do something to kind of show like, hey, you know, we're committed to you and they're giving you a championship. And they can show that by making some type of move to get somebody in. Um, I think Oladipo might be a good option for them because they might not have to give up as much because he's coming off a, um, a pretty major injury. And he also has, seems to have maybe some, um, some bad blood with the organization. So it might be easier to get him. Um, Chris Paul, they probably could get done as well. But again, that is a huge contract and you know, he, he's not I, that young. Just, so that'd be a short term move. And I just don't know how much Chris Paul actually helps them get to a title, frankly. 
Uh, you know, he's a smallish point guard. You know, he'll spell Giannis. He'll put Giannis in good positions. But, you know, defensively, is he adding enough to justify his, his you know, his crunch time play? I, I don't know. It's a, it's a lot to deal with. I And so, you know, the deals on the table, I'm not I'm not in love with. I mean, I, I mean, if they can get Depot, they should get Depot. But other than that, I'm I don't know what avenues they have. And I'll just say this real quick that we've seen this play out before. This is exactly what happened with LeBron in Cleveland. They couldn't figure out how to build around him somewhat because he never learned how to shoot. And he wasn't as well. Giannis is better defensively than I think even LeBron was in his, in the beginning of his career. But anyway, there was some, some things that LeBron could have done playing in the post, uh, being a bit more all around player that would have absolutely helped his team. But at the end of the day, they didn't have enough talent around LeBron either. And that's kind of what's happening with Giannis. There's a lot I mean, of things. There's a lot Big of things. Z and Daniel Gibson and all those legendary. Catalogs. And, and but wait, here's where the plot. <laughs> here's where it gets. Here's where it gets deeper, fam. No, uh, but what happened was that Cleveland people think that Cleveland didn't do enough from a GMing standpoint, and that's true. But not because they didn't try. Cleveland yeah. kept trying to solve the problems, and because they were panicking and making these rash moves and paying people they shouldn't, they locked themselves into this team that had nowhere else to move. And so then you saw them make panic trade for Shaq, make panic trade for Antoine Jameson. And that's the point that the Milwaukee Bucks are in right now. Are they going to make a panic move that doesn't necessarily make them look, that makes them feel better, but doesn't actually make them better? And then they could find themselves, as Daniel kind of pointing out with their roster situation, they could find themselves in an inflexible place. And then it's almost as if Giannis has to leave to get to get if he wants a championship, because because that's what LeBron, that's the calculus LeBron did. Can I win with this team? The answer was no. He couldn't have, and they were capped. So what does he do? He has to leave. That was his only option if he wanted to win. Now, he could have waited till they uncapped themselves and won a decade later or whatever, but that's not what he wanted to do, and it, it, he was right. And that's the calculus that uh, Giannis might soon find himself in. And, and I agree 100% with all that. I, I think it's really interesting that how this is all shaking out again. But what, what's the what's the, the opposite end? I, I feel like the opposite end of the spectrum is probably KG in, in Minnesota. Minnesota, at least from my memory, never really did anything to change that situation. You know, Minnesota pretty much for year after year was like, all right, we got KG, we're going to win. And it never really panned out that way, despite all the time. They did. One, one time they did. One time when they, they brought in Sam Cassell and Latrell Sprewell. Yeah, and that was their quote-unquote best you know, iteration. Well, and they also hampered was, themselves because they made that illegal move for Joe Smith and they lost oh, yeah, that too. They that was lost like weird. a bunch of picks, which was – terrible for their franchise and sent them back yeah. in the decades. That's so right. it, it, there's a lot of things that go into this and, you know, the, yes, organizations can be poorly run. Yes. These things can be hard, but at the end of the day, what we all agree on is that Giannis has to make a decision that's best for himself, whatever that is and whatever the calculus mm-hmm. for that is. And also we don't really, I guess I know how much, I mean, we know how much flip meant flip Saunders meant to, to KG, but like, we don't know how much that played a factor in anything, you know, back then or any decision-making. I mean, who knows? There's other factors involved in this. But I, I think the other thing that we kind of haven't touched on yet is I, part of me still thinks that the playoffs was a fluke. Part of me still thinks that this Milwaukee team is a championship team because this is the team that was smashing people early season, smashing people throughout, you know, before everything popped off with COVID. So, I mean, do we know the extent of how bad the team is, quote unquote, or do we know, like, this was a, a once out of 10 chances, like, fluke ending? Like, they just – they couldn't get – like, Giannis himself didn't play well, you know, ultimately when it came down to it. And I don't think we, any of us would say that Giannis isn't 
a champion level player, you know, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, obviously he's got a lot of work to do, but it's not like they didn't lose because Giannis isn't good enough to win. Giannis just didn't play well on top of other factors. You know, Middleton, of course, was a no show. Like there's a lot of other factors involved here. But, you know, flip a couple things around here and this might be the team that win against the Lakers. So I, I don't know. Well, like, you got to seem good enough. I, gotta, I don't know. Maybe they are good enough. You got to have honest conversations. And so the honest conversation is this. Is Giannis going to improve his three-point shooting? Is he going to be able to space the floor adequately enough to where they no longer can pack the paint against him? Is Chris Milton, are his shooters around him going to make enough shots so they can't adequately pack the paint against them? Schematically, there's some things that they can do that they get to do in the regular season when every team isn't scheming for them for a seven-game set that can show up in the playoffs. But are they going to do those things? And are they going to hold each other accountable? And who gets left handling? Who's left holding the bag if they don't do those things? And so, is Milwaukee going to bet on the fact that their players get a little better, that the spacing gets a little better, that they open up the uh, for playoff basketball just enough so that Giannis can basically backpack them Kawhi style to a title? I mean, they can't make that bet. But if it doesn't pay off, likely yeah. they're going to be the ones holding the bag without a Giannis. Yeah, and to kind of put echo Derek's point, that was a great point. Um, you have to ask yourself, are you building this roster for the regular season or for the postseason? Yeah. And for the regular season, you can do something one way and do it really well, a certain type of way, and probably win a ton of games. Yeah. And the postseason, though, because teams have time to plan and you have to face them multiple times and you have to face different teams, you have to be more dynamic, more flexible in terms, in terms of your approach. Yeah. yeah, adaptable. And from what we saw for this year, Milwaukee didn't seem adaptable actually at all. Very, very rigid in, in how they go about things um, and how they use Giannis and their offense. Um, so if that's the case, then I think that's why they have to look at themselves and say, okay, well, we need to make some type of change, either internal or bring somebody in. Because as of right now, if we don't get the perfect matchup going into the playoffs for the teams we face until we get to the finals, we might have a hard time getting there. And if that's your excuse for not getting there because we didn't get good matchups, then yeah, yeah your team is pretty much destined to not really go anywhere because it's not guaranteed you can get perfect matchup every time to go to the finals. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, most – most underrated uh, tenant of NBA ba- of basketball in general, flexibility is the ultimate key. No matter what era of basketball, if you're able to play multiple styles of basketball at a high level, you're generally going to be the champion at the end of the season. That's how it works. And right now, this, the Milwaukee Bucks can only play one style of basketball. They play it very, very well, but once someone makes them not play that style of basketball, that's the end. And that will end their season every year until they can fix it. Every, you put a curse on him? No, I'm not, not, not me. Uh, uh, geometry. The Milwaukee Bucks will Ge- never win a championship. Geom- Ge- geometry is cursing them, Lost. Math is a bitch. Math is a bitch. Get the numbers. So with that note, I believe my man Dale Davidson is all out of Oh, no, 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 real quick. Do you think he's staying? Giannis? Yeah. I, Hot take. <laughs> Uh, well, this is hot take theater, so I guess I'll give a hot take. I, I say he leaves. Currently. Right, Currently with yeah. what we have in place right no, now. No, no, no. Don't couch the shit. Don't couch well, well, okay. the <laughs> All right. Giannis Antetokounmpo is all certainly leaving tomorrow. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Giannis Antetokounmpo built this in a car. No. Uh, <laughs> Daniel? Daniel yeah, I, I, think, I, I think he stays. I think he stays. So I'm the deciding vote. What I decide will decide what Giannis does. Oh, know. okay. Right. Oh no, I think he stays. I, I think Giannis has a lot to prove. By the by the way, quick quick aside, 
Oh, I'm sorry, Daniel. Did you want to say something on that? Well, yeah. Austin basically just kind of cursed them to just years and years of being stuck in Milwaukee, never making it to the finals. <laughs> you got to stay there forever. You did too. But you still the deal, though. <laughs> I was doing it for theater, but you had to actually deciding vote. <laughs> wow, that is that is passing the buck. Uh, not, not not indicative of anything. No. Just, uh, just, a, just a very random aside. When Daniel said even Tim Duncan w- <laughs> thought about leaving for whatever reason, that reminded me of even. Roy Jones was forced to lean back, and I have no clue why. <laughs> but it should, that was just playing in my head for like a, a, a good minute after you said even Tim Duncan almost late. <laughs> and that's why I know it's time for us to get out of here. <laughs> so, uh, Austin Brazina, you two episodes in a row, sir. Can you keep the streak alive next week? Uh, I, uh, I'll be in the hospital next week. Damn. Well, Get well soon to future Austin Brazina. And the week after. For the foreseeable future. Okay. Well, in the meantime. I have, an, I, have a new, I have a new job working in the hospital. Yeah. So. yeah. Oh, well, that's, that's, that's a lot more pleasant than I thought. Still kind of not as As an pleasant. undertaker. Oh, oh, God. Anyway, Austin Brazina, please, before this goes any further, say goodbye to the people. I, I beg of you. Farewell, people. Daniel Davison, thank you for stopping by. What do you mean? We'll you don't. You do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see you next week. Say goodbye. I hate you so much. <laughs> Goodbye, people. I am, of course, your most venerated and excellent host, Dr. Lewis. Sorry, baby. Woo! Huff, I miss some you. really good points. Terrell Huff, I miss you. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, don't do anything we wouldn't do. Just kidding. Do everything we wouldn't do. Outro. Big brain episode, baby. You know what it is? Yep. Goodbye.